0: Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osborne, a biblical church centered on Christ. Your Bible, you want to open up your Bible to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. We are beginning a sermon series for this new year for prayer. And um, we'll we'll be talking about that this entire month. I'll be sharing a little bit about that. Last Sunday, I was in uh, in my home church in Alabama, a church I grew up in. You go to your home church, and of course, you haven't been there in 20-something years. Well, I've been there since then, of course, but every time you go back, it changes more and more. Uh, The people are all different. In fact, you don't know anyone. So uh, when you you keep going back there, and my, my home church has gone full contemporary, hundred uh, percent, even more so than our 1115 service that we have here. And you know, I was sitting there standing, singing the worship songs, song after song. And I thought, you know, when I get back to Kentucky, I'm going to write a book. And the name of the book is going to be 100 Songs You Can Sing Sitting Down. Would you all buy that book? I sometimes wonder, do contemporary worship pastors... And orthopedic surgeons have occlusion together. You know, contemporary worship pastor comes in. Let's stand together and sing 50 minutes, this one little chorus. That's my home church. And I, if I were to preach in one of those churches, I would stand up, I'd walk up there, and say, Contemporary worship pastor, I want you to stand right here next to me. And I'm going to preach for two hours. And you stand right there. And don't look like you want to sit down. Now, I can't tell those jokes at our second service. But have you ever felt that way when you, go <laughs> when you go to a worship service and you're standing up the entire time? So that's what it was like. So we stood and stood and stood there. I bet they're standing right now. So down there. So uh, anyway, we are going to be here. Uh, last year, our church theme was the year of the Bible. And many of you had, we were so blessed to have a Bible that we were able to read through. And we read through a chronological study Bible for one year. And you saw the story of God in a different manner, and also a different translation. This year, I believe, um, I feel uh, praying and preparing and looking at what year this is, 2024... Um, this year will be an interesting year for the United States. Uh, I, you already hear people talking about it. This is the first Sunday of a brand new year here of, tw- of 2024. This is an election year, and we know what that means. You already hear people talking about it. This is going to be a divisive year, the most important election ever. You can just sense uh, fighting is gearing up. I mean, the, you can already see the wheels turning. I mean, you think about it. Yesterday was the three-year anniversary of a riot on the Capitol from the 2020 election. You all remember that, so that was just uh, that was yesterday's three-year anniversary from what happened at the previous election. and remember the year 2020? Remember the racial uprising, the r- riots? I mean, it was just a wild year leading up to the 2020 election. And in many ways, we're, with the presidential candidates, we're hitting replay. So that means it's only going to be worse. I mean, so we are going to be a nation, a city that is going to be desperate for prayer. And it's going to be, we're going to, as this year goes along, in many ways, we're going to feel helpless. We're like, what, what can we do about this? And not only is it going to be election year, we are on top of, there's still ongoing two wars, possible world wars, especially the war in the Middle East that the United States could easily get drug into this year. Easily. It wouldn't take very much. They're attacking our folks and bases over there. The whole Suez Canal has been shut down for shipping. I mean, all you know, it's it's coming, so we could find ourselves in this year, and the war in Ukraine, where it's going on three years now, almost. So, and and we're funding it. So, as a nation, so you can just see our country of the divisiveness, the problems, the animosity, the uh, anxiety that is just. People are going to be this year on the edge. And when we find ourselves like that, that is a a place spiritually that our only hope, when we have problems before us, when we are faced with dilemmas, as believers, as people who are saved by Jesus Christ, our only hope is the Lord Jesus. And we go to Him in prayer. Starting this Wednesday, I want to invite you to something. And this event... Now, you think about this. Have you ever been to a prayer service at 6 a.m.? For the next eight Wednesday nights, or not Wednesday, it will be a night, eight Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. here in Sanctuary, we're going to meet to pray. Now, some of you can't stay because you've already told me you have to go to work, so you'll have to leave at like 6.30. You don't have to stay till 7. Now, everything in your body will tell you not to go to this. Now think about it. Wednesday morning, it'll probably be snowing. Watch. It'll be ice all over the roads. It'll be dark. Your bed will be nice and warm. It will be, you'll be tired. You don't want to get up. You'll think, you know, I can, and we're not going to have it online, so you can't worship online. This won't be an online worship service. So it'll be very easy to tell yourself, you know, I, I'm just going to worship the Lord under my covers. I'm just going to spend time with God in my bedroom. And everything in our body, everything in our environment will tell us, don't go, you don't need that. It's not, now's not a good day. And that teaches us, I have learned, it's the hard things. And getting up here at this church, coming in this door here at 6 in the morning, pitch black dark. Snow and dangerous ice all over the roads, and it's dangerous out there. You'll get shot. I mean, you can just go through the excuses. That is our need of coming and meeting with the Lord. So, we're going to have eight Wednesday mornings of prayer time. If you're able to come, I want to invite you to come from six to seven. If you have to leave early, you have to leave early. There's no order of service. There's not going to be a, um, a Bible study. There's not going to be a sermon. There's not going to be any funny jokes. This is a time that you meet with the Lord. Be right here in the sanctuary and go all the way. Be our winter prayer meetings, And that will tie in with our year of prayer. I mean, of meeting with God. Be beginning your day in God's house with the Lord. Say, God, I'm going to devote this time to you. And you think about, I want to tell you, you think about what are some areas in your life, some things, some a person, or so, something you need to be praying specifically for these next two months. I want to tell you, maybe you have a family member, you have a son or a daughter, and they need to get saved. They need to get saved. That's their. They have a lot of problems, but the ultimate problem in their life is a spiritual problem. And you devote these eight Wednesday morning, say, I'm going to go and I'm going to meet with the Lord. I'm going to pray for my daughter's salvation. I'm going to pray for her to turn to Jesus. That's what she needs more than anything else. Above anything else, she needs the Lord. So that's going, to be, that's going to be part of our year of prayer. I believe this year will be one that we desperately, as a nation, as a city, and as a church, need the Lord, And us individually. We will look back on 2024 and go, wow, what a year. Who knows what's going to happen this new year uh, that we are in. So I want you to turn your Bible. This this month we're going to be looking at uh, prayers. And this is going to be a prayer here that you're going to see uh, that occurred with Peter and John. Peter and John did something. This is right after Pentecost. The early church was on fire. 2,000 people just got saved. Uh, Peter and John went to church one day and they saw a man who could not walk. He was laying on a mat. He was over forty years old, an old man. And he came up to him, and they said, "They well, man wanted money." He, he says, I, "Silver, or gold, I don't have. Maybe you can relate to that. Silver, or gold, I don't have any money. Can't give you any money." But in the name of Jesus, I tell you, get up and walk. All they had to offer was the name of Jesus, and that's what we have to offer. That is a powerful name, and when we pray this year. You want to pray in the name of Jesus. That's why when you close your prayers, you say, in Jesus' name. That's where that came from. And you can see it. I'm going to read Acts chapter 3, verse 6. It says, But Peter said to him, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. And I want to tell you, that statement, what I do have I give to you, that's something we can offer to people this year. We don't have, you don't have any money. You don't have... Don't have stuff like that, but would you have something better than that? In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. That man had never walked, walked before. He was lame. He was crippled. And they, he offered him Jesus. And it says there, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and once his feet and his ankles became strong. Peter and John healed through the name of Jesus healed that man well that got them in trouble the religious leaders recognized this lame man he would sit at the at the temple and he would beg well now all of a sudden he wasn't sitting at the temple he began attending a contemporary worship service he was standing up and he sang for 50 minutes because he was so excited because he hadn't sat, stood in a long time so he's standing up and he people see him and they're like we recognize this guy all of a sudden he used to be a beggar How did you get healed? And they could not explain it. So Peter and John explained to them, well, in the name of Jesus, we we healed him. We spoke truth to him, and God healed his ankles and his feet, and he started walking again. The religious leaders did not like that. So they threw him in jail. (laughs) That's what happened to him. They They got arrested. They got arrested for healing someone. Could you imagine going to surgery, going to Baptist Health, and you have surgery, and the surgeon heals you, and then he gets arrested? So that, I mean, that's essentially what happened. So they, they, locked up the, they locked up this guy, these two men. So then they are going to go on their trial, which the trial was a religious trial. They are in front of a group called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the same group that just a few weeks prior had condemned Jesus He condemned Jesus. So that's what we're going to pick up in our Bibles here. And then we're going to see their boldness. And then what's amazing about this, they actually, after they're very bold for the Lord, they pray for more boldness. They felt they weren't being bold enough. And I want to tell you that, you know, a lot of times we feel our greatest strengths in many ways are our greatest weaknesses. And you would look at guys like Peter and John, and you would think, these are bold people. But apparently they felt, no, we need to be more bold. And for some of you, maybe you feel like, yes, I already have a devotional life. Yes, I already have time. to spending a lot of time in prayer. And God's looking at you saying, you need to start devoting more time to the Lord. Spending more time in prayer. More time in a devotional with Christ. Our greatest strength, spiritually, some of you, whenever we feel, well, I've already, I've already got that down pat. I get up every morning at 6 a.m. and I spend time with God. And the Lord's looking at you say, no, I want more. God's asking more from you, and that's time with Him. Look here what happens. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. You can never use the excuse, oh, I'm not qualified, I'm not smart enough, I don't know the Bible well enough, I haven't been to seminary, I haven't been to school, I haven't been. you just fill in the blank for what you feel you can't do. Peter and John's qualification for being able to heal a lame man was they've been with Jesus. Folks, that should be enough right there that should drive us to time with the Lord. You want to see great things happen in your life? You want to see God use you? You spend time with Jesus. It was not because these men were more educated. They were, in fact, in front of the most educated people. And the educated people, the Sanhedrin, are impressed with with how bold these men were. The religious elite see a boldness in the uneducated men that they don't have. And they're realizing, why are these men so much more bold than me? And since they, verse 14, And since they saw the man who had been healed standing there with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them. Clear to everyone living in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. You know, when truth is staring you straight at the face, it's hard to speak that it's falsehood. When it's very clear that God is speaking to you, that He has done something in your life, that is clear as day. And that's why when you see a lame man who's been healed, and it's, truth is right. And that's, why, that's how we are confronted to the Lord Jesus in the Bible. God confronts us with truth. He points out areas of our life that we need to repent of. He points out areas of our life that we are lying to ourselves. He says, who are you fooling? And that's what they're doing right there. And do you understand how bent these people are against Jesus? This is our culture in 2024 today. The Sanhedrin is looking for any way to put down Jesus. That's all they want. They don't want to hear anything about this. Because the name of Jesus takes away from who they are. Because they have rejected Jesus. In fact, they killed Jesus. These are the folks that Adam executed. And here they are. They cannot deny this. The one they killed in his name, now a man is walking around. Verse 17. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Saying, your one mission, your one goal is do not speak in Jesus' name. I want to tell you, one day that could come for you and I. That we are told not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. You say, Pow, pastor, how would that come? It might not come in front of a Sanhedrin. It might come when you're at work or you're at school. Or even you're at a family function. Have you ever been in an event and say, the two things you can't talk about are religion and politics? Have you ever heard someone say that? And, and You might have family members that will just, if you start talking to them about Jesus, they will just polite, not even polite, they will quickly shut down the conversation and go, oh, well, there's no God talk around here. That is how it's shut down. It just, it's just you pour cold water. On your conversation on the name of Jesus but here's what happens when you when you have a walk with the Lord when you are walking with Jesus when you have a, a devotional life with the Lord it will it will there'll be evidence of it overflowing in your life in all areas of your life and we see this they are tr- trying to shut them down verse 18 So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Now what would you say if that happened to you? So let's see what their response is. Because this could come a day for us. You're at work. You're at school. You're in college. and It might be you, your children or your grandchildren. You are told not to wear a certain type of shirt that maybe talks about a church or Jesus. Or you can't uh, promote something because it uh, invites people to get saved or is a religious service? Look what Peter and John say. Verse 19. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. That means God has put on their heart that they have to speak about Jesus. So Peter and John understand what he's saying. He's saying, we have great respect for the Sanhedrin. But what you are doing is you are now crossing a boundary that is actually something I can't do. Because I have to speak about Jesus. Because Christ wants me to share about His Son. About how I was saved. About how He healed this lame man. About how He saved souls. So what happens for us today? If we find ourselves and we are told to do something that goes against God's law, even if it comes from government or man's law, we follow God's law first and foremost above and beyond human law. Do you all follow me on that? We have to follow the laws of the land, but we only follow them up to the point where they break God's law. For example... If if a police officer or a government official tells you to do something and it goes against, directly against scripture, we have to obey God. That's what they're saying here. Saying, I'm not going to be quiet about Jesus. Peter and John saying, Sanhedrin, if you throw me in jail, just throw me back in jail. But my commitment to Christ, my commitment to the Lord, is more important than my commitment to the Sanhedrin. We are U.S. citizens. We are told and commanded in 1 Peter chapter 6 to pray for our governmental leaders. We pray for our president. We pray for the upcoming elections. But first and foremost, our citizenship is in heaven before we are U.S. citizens. That's what Peter and John are saying here. Saying, you decide, shall I obey God or shall I obey man? That's the question he's proposing. Verse 20. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. David Dell here mentioned about testimony time. That is what they share He him. He's sharing Peter and John saying, we have seen and heard and experienced the power of Jesus, and I can't keep talking about it. Like, I just can't stop. It's not, gonna, it's not something that just dies out. Has your, the fire, that excitement that you had when you were saved, remember when you were saved, has that fire uh, died out? Yesterday we put up Christmas decorations and we built a fire. And I'm notorious at my house fires, my brand new fireplace I painted, it, uh, I was the one to build a fire in it, that it, um, it, they die out really fast. My fires just don't last. They just dwindle down. And yesterday's fire, for whatever reason, it wouldn't go out. Like it's time to go to bed and the fire just kept burning. And then I even tried to move the logs apart and just they got bigger. And you, th- that is in our spiritual life. What, a lot of times what happens, we get saved as a young age or maybe even as an adult, but decades or years go by and that flame, it, it fizzles out. And the Bible's teaching us here with Peter and with John, that should not be the case. These people here, they said we are unable to stop speaking about what we've heard. This is a brand new year. And some of you, a year ago, at the beginning of 2020, were more on fire, were more excited, were more passionate for Jesus, and more committed to your church, and committed to tithing, and committed to serving, and committed to praying, and committed to your devotional life, than you are now. And If that's the case, your fire has died out. These men, you don't see any type of, of flame flickering out here they have a passion we're unable to stop listen we'll obey you sanhedrin but i'm not going to speak do you want me to do something silly i'll do something silly i'll pay your little fines and tithe, whatever fees and whatever i knew take your beating but we're not going to stop talking about jesus that's that's a non-negotiable in our life and that applies the same for us as christians because that that testimony because we have what we have seen and heard. You've seen a changed life. You've seen someone experience the power of Jesus, and you've heard the Word of God. They heard truth. And when you hear from the Lord, that is a message you want to tell. Our community, our nation is desperate for Jesus, it's looking in all the wrong places, and it's so apparent, it's so obvious. And we have the truth. And we can't back down and be silent. Just like Peter and John are saying here. So look what it says here in verse 21. After threatening them further. So you notice they never, they never back down. They never give in. They might give in in other areas, of, but not giving in in areas of the Lord, of Jesus. You don't give in on that. That's something you don't surrender. After threatening them further. They released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. For the sign of healing had been performed a man over 40 years old. That means his entire life, this man had never walked. And now he was running around jumping. So then we get to the prayer. Here comes the prayer part. Now you think about, when when does the Lord speak to you? I think, at least for me, it seems to be early in the mornings and middle of the night. You wake up in the middle of the night and God just speaks to you. And that happened a a few days ago, actually, um, middle of the night, and the Lord just brought attention a church. It wasn't this church. It's the strangest, it's almost like the Lord is is speaking to me about this church. And I was familiar with the church, and I I saw this snake in a church. I'm just laying in bed. I said, Lord, what, am I, what is this? And it was slithering through the sanctuary. It wasn't, it was just, it was huge. It was like a monster snake just slithering along. It was not Broadway Baptist. And I knew who that pastor was. And I literally heard, almost audibly heard the Lord speak to me. He said, Daniel, start praying for that pastor. I hadn't spoke to the man in years, I have no clue what's going on in his life. I just start middle of the night, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm just praying for this man. And then the Lord said, Daniel in the morning, just email him when you get up and just let him know you prayed for him. Don't, you don't need to ask him anything. You don't just say, hey, brother, I'm just praying for you. I did that next morning. I have no, he demanded any reply. He's one of the most strange things. He said, brother, I, I haven't spoken to you in years. just want to let you know I'm praying for you. you God, God brought you my mind. I didn't even tell him the vision. hope he doesn't even watch this. It's kind of weird. But I wanted you all to know. God will bring people to your mind. And He won't give you the details. And, you don't, and I don't need to know the details. You don't need to know details. That's not my business. That's between the Lord and that man or whatever's going on. I have no idea. Maybe he's under spiritual attack. Maybe he's struggling. And he just needs somebody who's going to lift his name, lift that church up, to the Lord, He needs a intercessory prayer, and I want to tell you, God, when He brings people just un, most awkward, unexpected times, when He brings people to your mind, you just start praying for them, and maybe shoot them a text, send them an email. You don't need to be nosy, rosy. Just say, Hey, I'm just brother. I'm praying for you. I've had folks in our church do that to me. Many of you. Some of the most uh, unusual times. The most unusual people. I tell you one time, a few years ago, I got an email from one of you. And y'all haven't, this person hasn't emailed me since. And I was wrestling with something. And out of the blue, I'm not going to call who you are. Out of the blue, this person emailed me. Hey, Daniel, I just want you to know, I'm praying for you. So This lifted you up to the Lord. That's the one email I've ever received from that person. I haven't got one since. Had, that was the only time they sinned. And you know that I needed those prayers? The Lord knew that. God raises up unlikely people and unlikely times to be intercessors for others. And that's our job as Christians. Some of you are very mature believers. You have been faithful senior saints for many years. And you're not able to go and do this and that. And you can't drive in the snow or ice. And you can't get out and serve like you used to serve. And you're not able to be active. And some of you are online. And you just can't do... The, the physical strength isn't there. I remember visiting one time with Brother Heard, And he was telling me one of the greatest ministries that people who are homebound, or people who are getting elderly, or people who are less mobile is being an intercessor prayer. He says, Daniel, those people who are in the nursing home, who are in the care facility, who are at home, who get the, they don't even have the internet, who get our CDs that we mail to them and they're listening to CDs on Tuesday when they show up in the mail of the church service. Those people who pray for you, that's all they do, is they pray and they give and they encourage. And that is a strength. A deep well of strength that a pastor in a church has. And for some of us, some of you, that's where you're at. And that is the absolute strongest ministry that you can give. More so in many ways than serving. Because you are the, you are the one, as Brother Hurd always told me, that's holding the line. You're the one there. That is, people are going out as people are dealing with the Sanhedrin and dealing with all the worldliness, someone's got to be there to hold the line and prayer for that person as they go out in the world. And that's why a year of prayer of what's about to come in 2024, think about the needs all around us. And I want to tell you, a lot of times you need to be praying for people and you don't need to send them a text or an email. You just, you just be that intercessor. They're just on your prayer list of 25 other things you need to pray for. That is your primary ministry. Keep going here in your Bible. Look at this prayer that they're about to pray. This is the last scripture we're going to read here. and This is the prayer. So after Peter and John are instructed, you do not speak in the name of Jesus. This is what they're told. After they were released, they went on their way to, the, to their own people, so they went back to the other believers, and they reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voice. Now remember, they're told, do not talk about Jesus anymore. Don't do it. So the first thing they do, they go and they talk about Jesus. First thing they do, they're going to go and speak about the Lord. It says here, when they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. They're realizing, Lord, you made it all. You are a creator, and that's what God is. He is our creator. You said through your Holy Spirit by the mouth of our father, David, your servant. Now, they are actually quoting Scripture in prayer. When you pray Scripture, quoting Scripture can be part of your prayer. This is Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2. They're quoting this. Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against His Messiah. That That means the people will actually be against before Jesus 800 years before Jesus was even born in Bethlehem it was prophesied that the gentiles the kings the Jews they're all going to be against the Messiah because it's God's plan and purpose but God knew that people are going to oppose him notice that Peter and John they did not pray God deliver me from this persecution Lord I don't want to go through this suffering Lord I don't want to experience this pain Lord, I don't want to go through this trauma. They didn't say, Lord, deliver me. They said, God, just You are the Creator. Lord, I just want to trust You. Lord, it's all about You. In fact, it was prophesied 800 years before it happened. I knew this was coming. For in fact, the city, both Herod and Pontus Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against Your holy servant Jesus, whom You appointed. They realized, Peter and John, If they were against Jesus, they're going to be against me. If people were opposed to Christ, they're going to be opposed to Christ's followers, and that includes us. To do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. Now, you would think these men who just stood in front of the Sanhedrin, (laughs) it <laughs> said, sirs, we can't follow you. We have to follow the Lord. And I hear what you're saying, but God told me to uh, keep talking about Jesus and I have to go give a testimony of what I've seen and heard. That's a pretty bold statement from Peter and John. And here they are again begging the Lord for more boldness. And they consider the threats. And then verse 30. Now look what's about to happen. I'm about to show you other places where... The place shook in Scripture. While you stretch out your hand for healing, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And what happened? It says, stretched out their hand. They had just the day before they had healed a man through the name of Jesus who was lame. And they're praying for God's power to continue to be able to do that. And look what happened after their prayer. This is probably the most dynamic prayer meeting in Scripture. This is a prayer meeting you will remember forever. They are praying in the name of Jesus to be more bold. And look what happens. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God boldly. God immediately Answered that prayer. Immediately answered the prayer. The, I mean, our earthquake occurred. I mean, literally, they're praying and the place is shaking. You're wondering wonders the walls going to fall in? Lord, we prayed for boldness and you answered. Two other places I want to show you in the Bible. You don't need to turn there. I just want to tell you where places were shaken when Isaiah was called into the ministry and he met the Lord and God told him. It says Isaiah. I'm setting you apart to go speak on my behalf in Isaiah chapter 6. It says the place was shaken. When Jesus Christ died on a cross and the temple veil tore from top to bottom, it says an earthquake came and the place was shaken. When something is shaken by the Lord, it means God approves of this. He is using the shaken prayer meeting as saying I'm going to i'm going to answer that prayer you start praying for more boldness for jesus you start devoting your time more commitment says lord i want to start speaking more in your name i'm tired of living a defeated life i only have so many more years left lord i'm going to give this year my rest of my days to you god you start praying like that god will shake your foundation Not shake to break it all up. Shake to approval saying you're going to get that boldness. That's a prayer He answers. And it says He is filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we look at this passage here. In Peter and John, God did not spare them from future suffering. He actually filled them with the Holy Spirit and they continued to preach on and more and thousands more people get saved. And I think in your spiritual life, just like in mine, is the first Sunday of the new year. We want to be able to say, God, I want to identify with Peter and John. And I want to have this same type of boldness, this same type of passion that these two men have. And in a world and a time that seems like there's opposition literally everywhere towards, the, towards You, Lord. Lord, shake my faith. Help me see that you are going to answer this prayer and make this year one that it is rock solid focused on you. Well, I'm going to close this in our invitational prayer here. And I want to share with you, some of you, God has spoken to you and God is absolutely trying to tell you to right now that you need to turn to Him. And that the Lord is speaking and teaching to you that you have just been, your fire has just been fizzled out. And some of you, you need to have a prayer meeting like this if you are saved. And to recommit this brand new year, to recommit your passion and desires to the Lord. And say, God, 2024 is going to be, there's going to be lots of problems and lots of anxiety and lots of uncertainty this new year. But Lord, I'm going to be. Rock solid in my faith. Lord, I'm going to have accountability, and Lord, it's going to be between me and you, Lord. And for other of us here, you need to make a decision to get saved, to join this church. I, you know, I spoke about how God was calling Isaiah into the ministry. Some, God is placing a call, in maybe some of your life here. God's calling you into the ministry, calling you to preach, calling you to serve in a church. There's a call from the Lord. God is calling people today. You think about last year. Right down the street from here, a revival broke out in February in Wilmore among young people. And that spread all around our nation. And this year, last year we weren't thinking about probably beginning of the year with revival. Think about other things. And this year you're thinking about Worry and anxiety, and election and the economy. And God is saying, No, this needs to be your focus. It needs to be more bold for Jesus. And whether you're a young person, you need to get more bold, or you have been a senior saint, and it has just slowly dimmed out. God is calling you this morning to make a commitment to Him. So we're going to invite everyone to stand up. David's going to come and lead us to our song here. And I'm going to stand down front. This is our first invitation to respond to Jesus in 2024. We're going to sing in our hymn book, 434, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I stand down front. Our deacons stand down here with me. You respond to Jesus this morning.